I'm not gay, but a dollar is a dollar. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Ben, I found this book. What? What book? Called, the, uh, I think it's called Introduction to Metaphysics. We should oh. try one time just for like fun on the podcast to like just read anything. One sentence, one page. I don't think we could read the book. It's too intense. But it's written by this crazy... A notoriously difficult philosopher named Martin Heidegger. Oh, and Heidegger. So, yes. You know about Heidegger? Douglas Murray talks about Heidegger. He's hard. He's like, a like, lot of people just reject him because he's too difficult to understand. He's so hard to understand. dismiss him because he's racist or whatever. He might which be. Is so Who cares? Wild. Yeah. Yes, not a Douglas problem. Douglas Murray goes so on that. He's like, they literally dismiss like, so they said this thing. I he think goes Douglas Murray triggers himself. Like he's dog whistling himself. You know, he's, he's like by he's, Douglas Murray. Yeah, he's literally <laughs> like walking himself down the extremism road. He's like, I'm not an extremist. I'm a scientist. I do data. And then slowly the more he has to like, <laughs> we've talked about this. I'm not kidding. Like maybe that happens. Like remember we've, we said something about, I don't know if it was like the racism or some conversation we had where it's like, how many times do I have to not be a racist? Uh, not me, I'm the figures of me, you know, <laughs> you like, to, to, you know, not be a racist and be told you are one. And, you know, so you're forced to go, I'm not a racist. Why are you saying I'm racist? Oh, you know, yeah, and eventually yeah. you you're like, fuck these, you know, quote unquote, these people telling me all the time that I'm this way. And then now you have yeah. that opinion of them, like they are doing this to me. You know what I mean? And it like it drives you crazy, extremifies you or whatever the word is. Yeah. Hello. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We're talking about Douglas Murray and uh, racism, apparently. And Heidegger. Uh, no. And, and I'm Martin just crazy. Heidegger. Well, and I'm Martin Heidegger, crazy. because Heidegger is a philosopher and Douglas Murray is this author. He's like a British author and he writes a lot about like the West and like the I mean, his books are called like the War on the West or whatever. And he talks about is I've been reading one of his books, The War on the West, and he talks about these, yeah, these criticisms of uh, I've been listening to the audiobook, but these criticisms of Western philosophers, like white Western philosophers, and he's like, you like know, Nietzsche. you could take them, what Nietzsche, Nietzsche Hard, Heidegger, yes, exactly. Um, God, I could think of some other ones. I Rousseau, know they're, they're all, all of problematic, them. yeah. yeah. Everyone's problematic. John Locke, uh, whatever. You could just, just George name Washington. a philosopher. Yeah. It's like a anybody card. that was white and out. is dead, they were a problem. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but he says, okay, so you could take these criticism. And he's like, but you start looking at the criticism. He makes the argument, how could we know that this is a targeted attack? So he goes through some of the criticisms and he's like, so this philosopher, I can't remember which one, he's like, you know, they made a comment, you know, this person has basically been discredited because they said something like, you know, about blacks maybe being uh, an inferior race or something because of their abilities, like their mental or physical. Um, and uh, he's like, well, 
you have to actually look at that letter. And he's like, if you go to the footnote where people are like, well, this person just credit compensates because they said this in this letter. He's like, if you go to the letter, the person's actually saying the opposite of that. They say that what he I just said. They say like, well, blacks are blah, blah, blah. He's like, he's literally responding to someone. He's like, I wouldn't say that about this. He's like, you should really be careful when you say those things was the actual quote in the letter. And he's like, so some of this is just literally factually inaccurate. And then he's like, if some of the criticisms of... are inaccurate. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's like then... with the RFK thing where where he was like, where they're like, he said COVID doesn't kill Jews and Chinese people. And then it was like, you he didn't like, even say he, that. <laughs> he literally said the op. He's well, first of all, wasn't talking about COVID. He was saying he was like other people say this, but I don't know about oh all that. You know, like God. it was. Yeah, I love that. That's a great it's tactic. Crazy. And then, yeah, he goes and he looks at the other side. He's like, if you go look at like people like. Ibram X. Kendi or whatever, he's like, there are way more damning things that these people say about race relations and certain racial groups and blah, blah, blah. And he pulls up examples and he's like, and repeatedly, or he's like, he talks about Karl Marx a lot. He's like, mm. if you look at Karl Marx, what Karl he's Marx so said, he's like, yeah, these people that like the left or whatever these like radical people love, like Ibram X. Kendi loves Marx. He's like, if you look at what they say, he's like, it's not like they made one comment like these Western philosophers. He's like, it's repeated patterns of like just the craziest racist shit you ever heard. And he's oh, like, yeah. it's unbelievable that these people are untouchable, but somehow the one comment that the white person made that actually means the opposite is enough to get them canceled. And it's just like, oh my I know. God. And think of how prolifically some of these people war. wrote. Yeah. I have a question about that. So I'll bring that back up. But I'm literally, I'm just saying, <sighs> like, I'm not even trying to be extreme. I'm literally just saying, <laughs> think about whether you're a white, black, Mexican, Indian, I named all the ones around is. here. Whoever whatever you are. You, yeah, well, literally whatever the fuck you are. Who hasn't said a sentence in their life that was like, let's, what's a good word? Untoward. You know, like you it could was, clip hundreds of things of us saying from these podcasts. And we just from like, like a few weeks of podcasts. Yeah. And, and literally, I, it's like, I'm not even, I don't even like defending my, to be like, I'm not a race. Like, I'm not nothing. I'm like not even out. I just, I literally don't even care. Like, I don't even think about it. And that's yeah, like, yeah. but of course, that's a problem too because white privilege or something. But yes. I'm just like, I don't care about that either. Yeah, I'll take it because you're white. I got yeah. so much privilege. Dog, me living in my trailer, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what? So I was going to ask you though about that. Unless you haven't gotten this far in that book, but who? Who does? Is it Douglas or Charles Murray? Douglas I know Murray. both. There's two <clears throat> famous ones. Do, who does he... Th so he thinks the attack on like the Western idea or ideal or people, whatever, is mm -hmm. coordinated. Where does he think... Is he like Jordan Peterson? Like it's all from the Frankfurt School, blah, 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 infiltration. Like where does he... Who is it coordinated by in his opinion? Yeah. I haven't gotten fully into like mm. what he thinks, but I've heard some of like what he thinks. I don't know if he even conjectures about that. Like I think he's just trying to give you the evidence to say like this is a little bit more than a coinky dink. Right. Like, here's all the evidence to prove to you that something is going on. Um, whether it's subconscious, whether it's directed, whatever. But he does go through these really crazy examples where the one that really stuck out to me was this British apology where the prime minister had to apologize to China. And he talks about the situation. He's like, literally people from the CCP 
came to the British prime minister because they didn't like some criticism that had been made about China, like just about the country, I think, and their policies. And they gave him a letter that he needed to read as a public statement. Who gave him the letter? And he just did it. The CCP. Oh. And it was like, what? Like, it literally made me think, like, that is so damning. Like, if leaders from the CCP can give the leaders of the free world memos and make them read it publicly on TV, you're not the leader of the free world. I got to tell you something. Something's going on that is bigger than you. So I don't know what that's about, but it was a wild Speaking of that, I wonder, you can keep going, but I heard something... No, that's all I got. I heard something about that recently. You got to read the book, The War in the West. Oh, I would read it because he's so, whatever you want to call it, influential, it seems like. Yeah, but so what you were talking about there, though, I heard that this happened or is happening now with something in Israel. There's a quote from a popular podcaster not a quote, like a clip from, have you heard of Bobby Lee? Yes, like a little... he played him on the podcast. He interviewed RFK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I bet that's going to be annoying to people that I just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He like, <laughs> he wasn't like exposing anything. He was just talking, I guess, on his podcast about going to Israel or something. And they were like, the government is reaching out to like celebrities or something. And... Oh my God! The, of course they are. But then when they get celebrities there, are going to help us. Yeah, but they so like the thing is like the cat or the the hook or I don't know some part of the analogy is that they're like you don't have to pay like you just kind of can come for free, and then to Israel. Yeah. Oh look, I just found it. Here we go. Let's listen to this. This is like exactly what you just said, and it's pertains to the conversation we won't have that we were just having before we started recording but which the conversation we won't have is the um anti-semitism stream of the internet conversation we we're gonna have to table that for later for late for later so it's not a great time to talk about that but there we don't want to talk about like denialism if you know it's h denialism but we want to we, we don't want we don't want to talk <laughs> We are in that stream ice right we, now. We want to talk about that stream. Like that that it's out there yes. is we're not a part of it, but right. it's weird that it's out there and what is going on? Why are so many people convinced about some weird things? Yeah, and I think there is there are reasons. I'm not saying they're good reasons, but I'm saying that they're not like the way that people are painted all the time, even like Murray, who we were just talking about. Like if you care had a caricature of them in your head, it's like they're googly eye crazy cartoon racist you know what i mean like that's how they make like you can't listen to these people because they're like raving loon anti-semites that you know it's like that's totally not exactly what they are at all there's something they might be a little loony but and you're you're making i is there a word for to make extreme i keep wanting to say extremifying they're like extremifying people all over the place by kind of gaslighting them by being like Oh, those, that thing you saw with your own eyes and and heard with your own ears, that's not real. You can't believe that. Believe what we say on the news. It's like, yes. Huh? Like, well, that's, that's what we were saying about Douglas Burr. He's like almost extremifying himself because he's yes. like, if you just start looking into all this stuff, you're like, 
you, and then all these people start calling him a racist too all the time. And he's like, I'm just trying to get the facts. And then you have to like keep defending yourself about being a racist. He starts like digging for evidence to defend himself with. And he's like, oh my God, it's actually worse than I thought. I can write a book on the superiority Multiple of the West. Books. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. God. Okay. I think this is the clip. I just saw a little clip in here pop up and it looked like it was Bobby Lee. So let's just see her, what they have to say. Can you hear it? Oh no, it's muted. Hang on. All right, bring up over on the screen. This is Bobby Lee, the comedian actor, I suppose. Bobby Lee. Byrne calls me, and Steve Byrne goes, you want to go to oh Israel? God, are we playing a clip of a clip? I go, why? It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun, right? He goes, it's free. They'll fly you out. You Come on, you didn't do birthright and pretended you were Jewish. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I didn't do that. No, but he said, um, no, the, the government, Israeli government is flying out like, celebrities for free out there to do a tour for free and it's on the house they fly you first class the whole thing wow and i go oh who's going he goes it's going to be me you george lopez jamie chung brian greenberg her husband i like it. I, I love him I, I love brian right and i go it's free and they go yeah it's not free because when you land there they go you have to every day tweet positive things about, about Israel. Israel, yeah, right, yeah, and I just felt so uneasy, uh, uneasy about it. Yeah, but couldn't you just go? What, why do you? Because you have, because you have a lot of Palestinian friends. Yeah, oh, I mean, God, I know some. Wild. You know what I mean? I don't know much about it. I just know that they're in conflict, and it's just like. But I did. I did what they said. But it's like the fucking wrath I got was insane. Insane. What was some of the stuff you tweeted? Jews, oh, just, Jews good, Palestinians yeah. bad. Is that what you tweeted? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jew number one. Build the wall higher. What, it, like, what, no, what? it was just basically, you know, oh, um, Palestinians, uh, no, um, Israel's a beautiful country. Yeah, that's probably true. That's true. It though. is true, but then it's like I had to tag the government in it or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's crazy. The Israeli government? Yeah. Oh, fuck. That's weird as shit. Yeah, and it was just like well, every he, day it was just nonstop. You were cucking for the Israeli government. Yeah, but I wish I hadn't gone really. So, do you know what? time frame this was was this like since the conflict started or after or or before i mean it has to be recently because they're talking about the conflict i'm pretty mm. sure that's off of, i'll look for that the I, only reason i had a clip of a clip is because i do listen to one of his podcasts bobby lee has got a couple and they're really just funny like that's the value of them is that they're funny so that's sure. a, yeah. that one's called He's a comedian yeah that one's called bad friends it is pretty funny usually and uh, but I don't listen to it, so I don't know which episode that was. Otherwise, I wouldn't have brought a clip of a clip. But that I would be that. I mean, that's but that's exactly what you were just saying. And remember, I think we're the getting same into thing, the anti-Semitism stream. It's full blown. Here we go. Here we go. So, <laughs> well, we're talking about the Chinese government too. And then you you remember it was was it John Cena? Some it was either John Cena or The Rock. Yeah, let me see. John Cena. This is a live research podcast now. <laughs> We're pulling up all the things. Okay, here you go. Yeah, wow. Look, there it is. What is it? Oh, I guess I have to share again. John Cena's full apology to China? Yeah, because he said, like, something. And then... Yeah, this he happens. Was, he was forced... This is what Douglas Murray's talking about. Cena apologized to the people of China after calling Taiwan a country during a promotional interview with... There, that's all we need to hear. He was doing a promo, and he just used the word, the country, like the phrase, the country of Taiwan or something. And apparently, yeah, that yeah. is so abhorrent that somebody was like, 
you have to do this. And it happens yeah. all the time. And it's like, that is weird. No, I don't know weird. what that's about. It's weird. But it, it goes to show like what happens at the top. It's like just not what you think. And I think a lot of these people who we think have power just don't. Like I think senators and Congress people state. Oh, come on. And, That's what the whole Jeffrey Epstein was about. I mean, right. you know he had dirt on people. And if that can happen, then people are kind of in other people's pockets. And so, you know, you can still be a puppet for someone else, even if you're the president of the United States or whatever. Because literally, you had a picture of Bill Clinton in a dress on a painting, and you're like, you have to think about that and wonder, like, what was Jeffrey Epstein doing with that painting of Bill Clinton in a dress? Something weird. Yeah, and then, okay, how about this one? Or the other painting of uh, George W. Bush as, like, a kid, like, throwing little toy planes, throwing little toy planes. This is a real picture. It's a real painting. You can go look it up. George Bush throwing little toy planes into a Jenga set and the Jenga set falling down. Just weird art from Jeffrey Epstein's mansion. Okay, that's really interesting. Never heard of that, but that is crazy. Not surprised. It's really crazy. Here's how it probably works. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it. Is that clear? You think you merely stopped a business deal? That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back. It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems, one vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multidollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? So true. I know. You get up on your little 21-inch screen and howl about America and democracy. <laughs> this is wild acting. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT. Mr. Beale's a news anchor, I think, or something. It's, it's The movie's called The Network, but he's about to tell you how the world works. And AT&T. And DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide, and Exxon. Those are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state? Karl Marx? They get out their linear programming charts, 
statistical decision theories, minimax solutions, and compute the price cost probabilities of their transactions and investments, just like we do. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. Bylaws of business. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. It's a business, Mr. Beale. And our children will live, Mr. Beale, to see that perfect world in which there's no war or famine, oppression or brutality. One vast and ecumenical holding company for whom all men will work to serve a common profit in which all men will hold a share of stock. All necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, <laughs> all boredom amused. Oh my God, it's so true. And I have chosen you, Mr. Beale, to preach this evangel. But why me? Because you're on television, dummy. 60 million people watch you every night of the week, Monday through Friday. I have seen the face of God. You just might be right, Mr. Beale. Anyway... Wow, when was that movie from? That's wild. I think the network was from 1976. But isn't it crazy Damn. how... So true. How So true, they got it right. It's like... I mean, in a way... Everybody knew. In a way, it's, yeah, it's Orwell, it's Huxley, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's too on the... You know what I mean? It's like... That whole, like, nothing was wrong in that scene. Maybe the names yeah, and, yeah. have changed, you know? But even those, like, Bell South, at it's like all those companies just monopolized. It like, became. DuPont this, is still around. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, man. That's, I'm going to go, I want to watch that. I've literally, I think I've only ever seen that scene, which is hilarious because I could, like, quote the whole thing. But, well, uh, it is so interesting because that, yeah, that, like, idea that oh there's no ideologies anymore and that everything is sort of it, I, it just to me reckons or i don't know calls to that idea of like in the name of peace and safety they'll cry out or whatever that line from the bible like at the end times they'll all cry out for the name of peace and safety and that to me is like the corporation like the corporation is like this very docile like even you can get fired just for even saying the wrong things it like makes someone feel a little wrong you like feel a little bad like that's enough to throw you out like it just completely safe completely you know zero anxiety it needs to be just this really kind of dead environment or something this environment where you know there can be no variability nothing really that's the other thing I've been thinking about, too, like nothing to stand for. Like people will say like, oh, how terrible is war? But then you hear these like older philosophers being like, but the worst thing is that 
there's nothing worth fighting for, is that that's actually much worse than having wars and conflicts. And I feel like that is the direction of things. It's like people don't even have anything they care about anymore, nothing worth standing for. And these corporations, they're exactly like that. I mean, people, like, they talk about purpose all the time, but it's like, she doth protest us too much or, you know, whatever, because it's like, you don't have a purpose. Like, that's why you have to talk about it all the time. Well, yeah. There's another quote, and I think this, we were just talking about, I don't know if we were recording, I don't think we were when we were mentioning this, but back, it's 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 like one of those things has been adopted and, and somehow become like an anti-Semitic thing. It's, you know, like, 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 again, like saying Nazi, like it, it just, that word used, like that's, that means something specific, you know, like the national socialist. The historical yeah, figure. it's like an actual yeah. specific thing, but now it's a general thing. Historical event. So yeah. this is become something like that that's anti-semitic but i think it, it applies not to jews or whatever people wanted to apply to i think it applies to this like we're talking like the power structure or whatever whatever is being maybe the puppets of the power structure i don't know but there's the quote uh they cry out in pain as they strike you you know like oh you're hurting me but they're the mm-hmm. ones doing the striking and i feel like that's how a lot of things are like conf- like cultural political conflict seems these days you know what i mean it's cuz any it's like anything like any like of a new law you know we have to do this because of this and it's like your your new thing you're doing is hurting us but you're it's always justified because of some what what like especially when it's like an oppressed group or something you know like yeah. That's definitely Well, so what were you saying? This is anti-Semitic. Sorry. I, maybe you could just explain that for Well, people. you were just giving we were just get, talking about the example in the, in the show and you said me thinks the lady doth protest too much and I was like or, you know, they strike out. <laughs> it's a good quote. Well used. And then when I was just for some reason that made me think of that other quote that sounds just as like poetic, which is they cry out in pain as they strike you. That it just relates to this whole whatever you want to call it. Socio. Yeah. Oh, you mean though, like the like calling people Nazis, like you eventually, you immediately get labeled like anti-Semitic, or you can't even talk about like you can't have a critical discussion of the Holocaust. That's like the sense. I think the you censorship can't. project is like the most is like one of the most obvious ones. You know, like you An- you're, anti-Semitic you're, is like a way that that works. That's one of the well. This I don't know why. Censor. No, so, for some reason this quote. All I was saying about the anti-Semitism thing is that that quote. I was trying to figure out where I only know this because I looked it up. So I don't know where I heard it, but I have an idea now that I know that it's a little anti-Semitic apparently. Like it has that tone. All I was saying is that this, if you look up, so I looked up. I didn't understand that. Yeah, no, I was like, where has anti-Semitic tone. I don't know why, but I, I was trying to figure out where, who said that quote or where it came from. And I just Googled it. And I remember finding like something about, the Jews, you know, like why did the, I think I found like a Quora or some, something where like an answer, like a Reddit, something where someone asked the question, they said, yeah, whatever, something like that. <laughs> and it was like, why, I think the question was, why do they, why do they say the Jews cry out in pain as they strike you or something? So then I was like, okay, this is some kind of like, this is in that stream of, oh. of narrative. I didn't know that. I just heard the quote somewhere and I thought that's a good quote. That's all I was saying about the oh, anti-Semitism oh, thing. Oh. No, I was not oh, relating God. it to okay, that. Yeah. I was relating it to what we were talking about, you know, the, 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 what, you know, back to the Coca-Cola Corporation and 
whatever the power structure. Sure. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry Which if it I. It all ends up back. At, too much yeah, preamble. Yeah, it's like you, that did not make any sense. You were like, it's like anti-Semitism. I can't, well, I, now I can't wait to <laughs> we're listen. We're not going to get into the stream, but when we, when I edit this or some, we'll figure out if I made no sense or you weren't listening. One of the two. It's fine. Either way, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but now people have a good education oh, good. on that court, yeah. so there you go. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Glad we get to the bottom of anti-Semitism. Um, anyway, and so I have this other thing I wanted to show you. So this is uh, totally switching gears, not completely, but because we're in this whole Hamas thing, we can't get away from it. So this is a video of Ted Cruz talking about the money that's going to Hamas. And I just had some interesting thoughts about it. I don't know what you'll think, but... Well, I will say this. Let's roll the clip. As a preamble to this, this is October 27th, 2023. Sometimes the podcasts don't come out right away. So (laughs) whatever we're saying now, by the time you probably, it's even downloaded or on the internet at all, it may not make any sense at all. We noticed that with a recent podcast. Maybe we should, if we're going to talk about wars, we maybe should at least point out the date because things are changing so fast in the fog of war. Yeah. I also called the the creation of the state of Israel the Nakbar. <laughs> it's actually the Nakba. Anyway, I just had to correct the record there. Okay, so this is Ted Cruz. I want to tell you also, Jack, one of the most disturbing things about what's happening. Is that guy's name Jetpack? This terror attack in a very, (laughs) very real way was paid for by Joe Biden and the Biden administration. In the last two and a half years, the Biden administration has... He's talking about the attack on Hamas, or the Hamas attack Uh, uh, on Israel. The original... The the original... Yes, the first attack. Okay. Yeah, yeah. ...flowed more than 50 billion dollars to Iran. 50 Hamas, billion to Iran. How so? Yeah, so there are four buckets of money that have gone to Iran, and Hamas works for Iran. Iran planned this attack, Iran funded this attack, Iran is directing this attack. There were four different buckets of cash that, that have gone and, and funded this attack. Number one, many people have talked about the six billion dollars. Just in recent weeks, the Biden administration negotiated an agreement where they agreed to pay $6 billion in exchange for five Americans being released as hostages. Now, at the time, I said that was a terrible decision. Because- okay, so, so far, he said that Iran is responsible for this attack. Iran is funding Hamas, which is a dubious claim. Not everybody believes that. I don't think that there's hard evidence for that. The, no hard um, evidence for what presented point? to the public. That Haran, Iran is funding Hamas, like that right, right, okay. Iran is like Hamas is taking orders from Iran, essentially. Mm-hmm. They may be taking funding, and maybe you could prove that, but I don't know that you could prove that they are directly linked, as he's saying. So that's a dubious thing. But then he goes on to say that what did happen recently was that the U.S. paid $6 billion, $6 billion to free hostages from Iran. And then he goes on to talk about that because they were effectively placing a bounty on the head of every American. They were setting a price That's why he criticized of $1.2 it. billion dollars per American. And, and I predicted at the time the result of that will be more of our enemies will take Americans hostage and Iran will take more hostages. I didn't know it would be just a couple of weeks later. We have 
more than 20 American hostages now that Iran has taken, Hamas has taken. And that, I think, was incentivized by the $6 billion. But the $6 billion is just... So, and that's a fair criticism. I think that that was a good point. You know, regardless of the conflict, it maybe isn't a good idea to spend $6 billion to free so few hostages because then people think, okay, I could just take hostages and use it as leverage to get money from the United States. Billions of dollars, actually. $1.2 billion per person I take. So then he said, now... Hamas has taken American hostages, 20 of them, and maybe the point is like, well, we'll get money from America by doing this. So that's an argument. Just the tip of the iceberg. Several weeks earlier, the Biden administration released $10 billion that had been frozen from Iraq. They released that to Iran, to the regime. So that upped the total to $16 billion. But even that is not the biggest portion. When Joe Biden came into office, the Iranian economy was in shambles. The Iranian regime was on its knees. And the reason is their major source of revenue is oil sales. And we have in place very tough oil sanctions that had shut down their oil sales. And, and I had spent the entire Trump presidency urging President Trump to vigorously enforce those sanctions. He did, and, and it crippled the Iranian economy. Seems a little Joe intense. Biden came in and he immediately stopped enforcing the oil sanctions. As a result, today, Iran is selling two million barrels of oil a day. It is funding this war. That has been over $40 billion that Joe Biden has allowed Iran to, to make from oil sales. They're selling. Sorry, can I just say, like, we're not Republicans. He really teeters on, like, we should be globalists, you know, like that's the kind of argument he's making. He's like, we should cripple other countries' economies because they're going to do things that we don't like. Like, we should get to decide what's going to happen. We should literally control their economies. I'm like, that's a little, it's a little much, Ted Cruz. Principally to China. So it's benefiting Iran and China. And that is what is paying for this attack. And there's also a fourth bucket, Jack. So the beginning of the Biden administration, the Biden administration wanted to send hundreds of millions of dollars to the Gaza Strip. I led a coalition of senators, 17 senators, urging the administration, do not do this. This is the wildest Because, part. as I told them, if you do this, that money will go to Hamas, and Hamas will use it to carry out acts of terror against Israel. This was eminently predictable. Well, at the same time that 17 senators joined with me saying, don't send the money to the Gaza Strip, 145 House Democrats, including Colin Allred, sent a letter to the Biden administration saying, do send the money, send hundreds of millions of dollars to the Gaza Strip, even though that money will go to Hamas and go to terrorism, we want you to send it anyway. And we now know what the Biden administration did with those two letters. They assessed the situation and their conclusion was that, and this is their words, there was a high likelihood the money would go to Hamas and be used for terrorism. And nonetheless, they waived U.S. anti-terrorism laws. You know, it's against the law to send money if you know it's likely to be used for terrorism. And so they waived that law because politically they wanted to send that money to the Gaza Strip, even though they knew Hamas would use it for terrorism. And tragically, that's exactly what's happened. Wild. So that's what I thought was the craziest part of all that. So he talks about all this money that's been going on. You know, how do they have money to fund this war and whatever? So he talks about, you know, the money coming from 
uh, Iran. He talks about the Iranian economy. He talks about these hostages that we paid to get you know, out of Iran. And then the most damning thing he says is he says that the Biden administration sent hundreds of millions of dollars to the Gaza Strip directly, even though they knew it would likely be used for terrorist purposes by their own account. I just thought, what? Like, how can this even be true? Like, if that's true, we got some big questions to be asking about what's going on in Washington. That's crazy. It's crazy. Well, he talked about mostly what he was talking about was economy, oil, currency. And it's literally what that guy just told Mr. Beal. Oh, yeah. The world is a business. It has been ever since man crawled out of the slime. Yeah, that's uh, <sighs> that's so interesting. True. But I see even this stuff like. What are your thoughts? Because I don't like it either. I'm not like Ted Cruz is giving me the facts. Right. I'm that's just like, exactly this is right. weird. This is I'm thinking as I'm I'm literally this is what I'm thinking as I'm watching this. This is just right off the cuff here. I don't trust Ted Cruz. He's, no, I don't. I just find it weird that this is out there. Like, what? Why is Ted Cruz saying all this? It could be that elections matter to some extent. That having public support matters to some. To some. Did I just say export? Sure, it's got to be a political issue. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever. I'm. You know what I mean. So. Yeah. It, it could be that, because what what I'm kind of what I'm thinking is, maybe. As far as the content of what he said, I'm like, maybe, could be, that could be exactly a, you know, a huge part of what's going on, but whatever kind of shenanigans those are, I feel like Ted Cruz is not above the shenanigans, like, you know, he's just part of the same political apparatus. Yeah. And I mean, he's making a political issue by saying it's the Biden administration, you know, like. It almost is like a you're giving yourself away, kind of. You're like, this actually isn't a local ground war. Like, the powers far and away at B actually are pulling the strings. Like, we are puppeteering right. all of this. But like, see, it's not just a terrorist attack of like little sand people who don't like Israelis. Right. It's actually Iran versus the United States, you know, which is like, oh, wow. And that's, it's like uh, when George Bush, we know that's bullshit because it's just like George Bush's thing. They hate us because our freedoms. Like, that's, that's, that doesn't cause hate. You know what I mean? I get. The some of the argumentation around that that leans in that direction, but that's not why. Okay, big if the twin towers were hit by planes because some guys with butter knives, oh sorry, box cutters, whatever, and they yeah, made dust yeah. out of concrete and steel. If that's it, the reason they did that, if that's what they did, and it, there was a they like that, was not because they don't like freedom that other people have someplace on the other side of the planet. It's just not true. So, but what yeah, Ted so Cruz abstract. is saying, it's, and this, yeah. is, I always think about things this way when, especially when they get complicated, because maybe it's easier to, for me at least, to think about and to understand because there's so many little details and any number of them could be true, false, contextual, out of context, whatever. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. So I always think, some kind I always try to find a principle something I can understand and in this case what I'm kind of seeing from Ted Cruz 
is that like to answer what you are saying about it too, which is he's uh, admitting like, why would you say this? Like the, the thing that you're seeing there, I don't think is what he's intending that most people will see what most people will hear. No, no. So what most people he- will hear in this case is that ref in that football game made a bad call or they cheated somehow, you know, the blah, blah, blah. It's all, and all of that is actually, though it's not really the game, it's still the game, you know, like refs are part of the game. And yeah. And so, well, it's it's, like dehumanizing to the Palestinian people. It's like the Palestinian people don't deserve their own autonomy in their own country. We're not really trying to prop them up. It's like, we're just kind of like, Oh, there's a humanitarian crisis. Like, even if that's the mainstream narrative that they're saying, it's like, okay, well, we're just sending money, but you know, we're trying to help, but you know, whatever. And it's like, well, no, it's not like that. I'm at taking all. a perspective a step back. This is like what you might do in whatever that class is. Cultural what was I don't even remember the name of the class. We had to do this. We had to watch it. Cultural studies or well, something. we had to like watch a film and there was one we did on a film. There's one we just did on like a short film thing. It was really just like some cartoon. And it was like, understand this. And I think part of what they were trying to do is understand this in the context. Like, what does it re- like? What does it say outside of what it's saying? You know, it, what does it say that it is? So the fact. So what? This is mm-hmm. a complicated, but it actually to me simplifies it. So if you take one more step back and just look at Ted Cruz, he's talking about the game. He's talking about it within the context of basically appropriate conversation regarding this. What you're seeing is something that actually is like an emergency. You know, like think about it. It's literally, you're just nonchalantly talking about billions of tax dollars just like I'm just, just flying in the wind to to all over organizations or anywhere any anything to your own yeah they're going to a part of the world at all i mean that they're leaving the country is a problem then that they're leaving the country to a part of the world that's so contentious that might be an argument to do it but it's also it's just like that's so warren buffett had that rule remember i could fix everything right away with the budget you know anytime the budget's not balanced every senator loses their job they can't be they can't run next time then congress exactly. financial situation like fixed you know God. it's the same way it's like yeah. anytime anything happened i don't care if billions and trillions and zillions of dollars are flowing any like to our word being not a democracy not a country but a business you all you're all fired like this is an emergency like the fact that that's even that any yeah, of that happened, yeah. whether it's good, bad, whether you agree with Ted Cruz, the, the the Ted Cruz letter or the other letter, both of those, it seems like you would be, instead of Ted Cruz having this calm conversation about this, it's like his hair should be on fire. And it's like, oh my, can right, you- You should be upset about this too. So yeah. upset. Like, the Amer- like, can exactly. you believe this is happening? Like, we're sending g- groceries- you can't afford them. You can't have a house. You can't, you know, all the things we've talked about in this podcast. And then this kind of, it's like, it's like $6 so. Six billion dollars to free like five hostages or whatever. It's, it's crazy. It's just preposterous. It's just, it's like mind boggling. You just go this, right. we're, within the meta, the a meta analysis of it or the meta bird's eye view of it. You're just like, 
They didn't even pay to get what? Brittany Griner out of Russian prison. <laughs> they just swapped a, a Russian terrorist or whatever, whatever he is. Some it's, operative, it's, some military personnel. I have a clip since we're talking about it. Oh, what's this? Clip? Now, I have not. Well, I haven't watched this. It's clip day. <laughs> it's clip day. I haven't watched this, but I've seen it. Like, it's being pushed to me or something. You know, like, I've seen it in, like, feeds. I've seen other people post it. It's Ron Paul in, like, 2000. Was it 2009? I don't know. Whatever. Not recently. Okay. It was a while not having to do with it. But let's just, I haven't, we're both going to have a hot take because I have absolutely no idea what he says. I just know that it's <laughs> pertinent to the situation. We don't even know. It's called, okay. okay. Great. I was consent to revise and extend my remarks. Without objection. Uh, Madam Speaker, um, I rise in opposition to this resolution, uh, not because uh, I am taking sides and and picking who the bad guys are and who the good guys are. But I'm looking at this more from the angle of being a uh, United States citizen and American. And I think resolutions like this uh, really do us great harm. Uh, in many ways, what's happening in the Middle East, and in particular with Gaza right now, we have some moral responsibility for both sides uh, in a way, because we provide help and funding uh, for both Arab nations and Israel. And uh, so we definitely have a moral responsibility, and especially now today, the weapons being used to uh, kill so many Palestinians are American weapons, and uh, American funds essentially are being used uh, for this. But there's a political liability, which I think is something that we fail to look at because too often there's so much blowback from our intervention in areas that we shouldn't be involved in. You know, Hamas, if you look at the history, you'll find out that Hamas was encouraged and really started by Israel because they wanted Hamas to counteract Yasser Arafat. And you say, well, yeah, that was better then and served its purpose, but we didn't want Hamas to do this. So then we as Americans say, well, we have such a good system, we're going to impose this on the world. We're going to invade Iraq and teach people how to be Democrats. We want free elections. So we encourage the Palestinians to have a free election. They do, and they elect Hamas. So we first indirectly and directly through Israel help establish Hamas. Then we have election. Then Hamas becomes dominant, so we have to kill them. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. During, during the 80s, uh, you know, we were allied with Osama bin Laden. And uh, we were contending with the Soviets. It was at that time our CAA thought it was good if we radicalized the Muslim world. So we financed the madrasa schools to radicalize the Muslims in order to compete with the, with the Soviets. There's too much blowback. There's a lot of reasons why we should oppose this resolution. It is not in the interest of the United States. It's not in the interest of Israel either. Shit. That is damning. But that's exactly my point. It's like we're playing both sides of the conflict because even if you were, that's what I was trying to say before. It's like even if you're talking about sending money to just the Palestinian people because it, like they're refugees and you're like, oh, well, it's a bad situation. But it's like, but we've also been sending money to Israel that causes us to need to send money to the Palestinian people who are being hurt by, you know, it's like we're bleeding money on both sides of the war. It's like we 
bleed the people who do the attacking and then we bleed money to like rectify the problems and humanitarian crises afterward. And to whose benefit, for what purpose? And, you know, it's like he said, this is not in the interest of the United States. And granted, this is a long time ago, but it's the same situation. It's the same stuff. I mean, it's the same story that's it, it's continued to now. Yeah, and hundred percent. And he's he's saying, you know, this is in the interest of the United States. Well, so there's like a probably ideologically a group of people that maybe think the opposite. You know, th- so there's there's there must be some at least underlings that think that maybe aren't calling the shots but are high up enough to be heavily involved in it that probably think that there's some what we're there we kind of know you know they might kind of know what we're doing and they they've been told and probably believe this is in the interest of the United States you know like we got to really cover the bases i mean you just can't leave anything unattended you know you got to put your finger in every pie you have to taste all the porridge but there might be some ideological true believers somehow in doing like that, that this is not a great situation where we're in now, but that what we've been doing, we had a reason for it. We thought, we you know, we're trying to do the best thing for the country. Yada, yada, yada. That has something to do with the country. You know, it's public money. You know, we're funding it, whatever mm-hmm. it is that mm-hmm. if we're funding it, we're funding it. You know, it's our, it's quote unquote, our money. So it's difficult to know ideologically what's right, what's wrong, who should get money, who shouldn't get money. Is it in the interest of the U.S.? Is it not in the interest of the U.S.? But there's also the unavoidable reality that the situation he just described, wow, that is such a great deal for the military-industrial complex and weapons manufacturers. Mm. And you know what I mean? It's like because we're People literally— rebuild cities, yeah. We're basically—we're literally funding conflicts. You know, for whether, again, whether or not it's for our interests or not, whatever, there's some reason we're doing it. But whatever the reason, it's definitely benefiting certain people to extreme levels. And then you also have to ask yourself, like, if you were like, I honestly think about it. Like, if you were a senator in that hall of Congress listening to Ron Paul, I, I cannot imagine as a senator, like that's like, so you have a job, you know, and it's. You're there to represent the people. Yeah. Where are you going with this? Well, there's no one telling you what to do is what I'm saying. Like this, you are a senator for the people. Why, how, what, what happens or what, what would cause somebody to care so much about random stuff you probably didn't even know about until you became a senator and people started lobbying you for money and bills and whatever that you're you have so much care and interest directed towards these things to the to the extent that you in in some kind of clean conscience i guess would literally vote to send billions of dollars anywhere that doesn't seem like it's going to really actually be it's not even it's out, literally out of the country like going somewhere out just here's money we do have billions of dollars and a shit ton of debt trillions of dollars in debt Let's send this out of the country. What's happening there with all these senators? Because well, we're talking about hundreds of senators, like Ted Cruz. Well, hundreds war of and peace or whatever. I mean, it's like, and they'll cry for peace and safety. I feel like that's where, like, constantly being scared by the media and by these, you know, generals and big, you know, 
deep state operators who come out and say, well, if we don't intervene, exactly. like the next, you know, it'll be World War Three. They'll be on our soil. There'll be terrorist attacks on America. There'll be another 9-11. You know, yeah, it's like. Exactly. And that's, I feel like, how you mobilize people. And in some ways, it's real because 9-11, like, was, you know, people actually died and whatnot. You know, that doesn't mean that the narrative about it is correct, though. And that the story that we've all been sold about why it happened, who did it, what needs to happen next, like is all, you know, logically follows from what happened. And, uh, yeah, I feel like this is how it gets sold to us. And the same thing with the Israel stuff. It's like, I mean, they made this point before, but it's like what I know it's terrible to say this, but, you know, Israel going in and killing a bunch of Palestinian people doesn't make the death of Israeli people right. You know, it doesn't fix the wrong that's been done. Doing another wrong doesn't make a right. You know, that old phrase, like two wrongs don't make a right. It doesn't make it better to go kill civilians now. Like it may, you know, you may need to go get the people who did that thing, you know, and maybe you put them in prison or something. But even in maybe you even, you know, have a uh, what do you call that? Like uh, you execute them or whatever, like by lethal injection or something. But I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's fair punishment, but it doesn't, yeah. I mean, this ground invasion where they're, you know, killing civilians and whatnot, it's like, yeah, it's just more death and I don't know how that helps anything. But you get sold on it because this fear narrative that's like, you know, well, what what's next or whatever. And I mean, some of the stuff coming out of Israel, like, it's crazy. I mean, they're just as radical as some of the stuff you see here, like with... On the other side, you see people here like talking about pro-Palestine or whatever. Israel needs to be leveled. Well, you see some of the same crazy stuff on the other side coming out of Israel where Israelis are like, Gaza needs to be done. Like, it needs to be obliterated. And you can understand, I think, like how you might come to feel that way when a bunch of your people have been killed in such a terrible way. But, yeah, I just it's like, where does this lead again? Like, I just don't. This is not the road forward, like, out of any of this. And maybe there's no good way out, you know? I don't know. But, I mean, you have to, like, you know, you have to be principled. Maybe we have to punish wrongdoers, you know? We have to uphold our laws. And uh, we can't, you know, senselessly, you know, punish people who weren't involved at all. That's also not right. So you probably have – have you heard of the West Clark 7 no. Okay, here's a famous chunk of a famous interview by General Wesley Clark. I don't know what people say about him. I just know this little clip here that I think you would find interesting. Right after 9-11, about 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz, I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you got to come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision. We're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just 
made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. Oh, God. What? I said, is it classified? He said, yes, sir. I said, <laughs> I said, well, don't show it to me. And I saw him a year or so ago, and I said, you remember that? He said, sir, I didn't show you that memo. I didn't show it to you. Uh, I'm sorry. What did you say his name was? <laughs> I'm not going to give you his name. So go through the countries again? Well, starting with Iraq, then Syria and Lebanon, then Libya, then Somalia and Sudan, and then back to Iran. So when you look at Iran, you say, is it a replay? It's wow. not exactly a replay, but here's the truth, that Iran from the beginning has seen that the presence of the United States in Iraq was a threat. I don't know how much of a replay of that, but it goes yeah, on for another no. couple minutes. That's wild. I mean, you know... We all knew. I mean, I feel like at least if you didn't know then, you know now, like that that kind of stuff was going on. But I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. It's We're gonna invade Iraq. Bonkers. Why? I don't know. <laughs> but it's just like companies. That's the thing that really struck me when he said that because it's like it reminded me of when we said. Uh, I think you were telling me a story about Kim, something that happened at her work, and uh, oh, it was that gay slide or something like so a slide presentation got sent to a client and somehow oh, yeah. the wrong version of the file got sent and there was a note on one of the slides that says i'm not gay but a dollar is a dollar is a dollar and yeah. apparently the person was being forced to make you know some diversity blah 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 and they were like you know the kind of sentiment was like well this is dumb i don't really agree with this but a dollar is a dollar they were just making it and that was like a placeholder and somehow that version which doesn't even exist. It's actually quite mysterious, but somehow that version ends up being sent to a customer. Yeah. Right. And then there's a whole, this is the part that really reminded me of, is like, there's like a whole internal, like, what are we going to do? Like, yeah. who are we going to have to fire? We're going to have to show something, you know? Like, oh, we can't yeah. just, we can't just have done this. Like, we have to like show that we are not, you know, <laughs> like that. And so to me, I was like, that's, that's so what it is. It's like always PR management in companies where it's like, all right, something bad happened, fire someone. Someone's got to get fired because <laughs> we have to show them that we're committed. And I feel like that's what this is. It's like, why are we invading Iraq? It's like, well, we have to do something. We can't just not do anything. We yeah. have to show the American people that we're committed. And at the time, I mean, there were people that were like, wait, but that's the wrong. We're invading the wrong countries based on what you told us. Like, you told us this. And now <laughs> we're going, and they're sense. like, well... And I think that it's like a, a big part of it's just storytelling. We got to do, we got to do. Like we, yeah. we can do this and it, it, you know, and sell it that it was these people. We got to go in this other place, but we'll just, you know, people. We don't know. The Americans don't really know. The Middle East is the Middle East. You know what I mean? It's like, 
Africa. Well, we literally don't you know. know. They could, like, just... go over there, and we're not going to know where they went. Right. But, you know, things come out. So it's like the story is going to be loosely told anyways, and they just they just make sure they say, you know, basically just lead people along, and then it, they just get away with it. Whatever, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is, whatever they're doing, you know, just like this, you know, is it po- like, do we have multiple senators now kind of saying like, we might have kind of done this a little bit, you yeah. know, and it's like, well, it's so wild. It throws a wrench in Sam Harris's arguments about, and I feel like it's not just Sam Harris, but he's a good example of yeah, this, yeah, yeah. where like these people the talk about, aspect. yeah, the problem of extremist Islam, uh, Islam, extreme Islam. And uh, I'm like, but. If you listen to Rand Paul, like we partly created that, like we helped radicalize is, you know, uh, Muslims in the region. And now the premise for a lot of these wars is like, well, this is an extreme Islam region. Like we need to go in there and take these people out. It's like, but we also created that situation. On purpose in the 80s. He said so. You know, like we funded these, these, what were they, madrasas? You know, we funded these places and where they you know, whatever their equivalent of like preachers and stuff, you know, could radicalize it. So we give them what they need to grow, which is money and what, which is crazy because those are tax dollars. Like those are, you know what I mean? It's like, that's your hard earned money. It's just crazy. Like it's so, I just can't even process it. Like I I just, you hit a wall every time. You're like, what? Okay, well, that's- It's unbelievable that it can even happen. I mean, that's the danger of the like digital currency system. I feel like we already have where it's like, we don't have cash. Like, it's not like you have to send cash. Like you don't have to come and take people's money anymore. You could just move the numbers around on a screen, on a computer screen. And that allows you to purchase things. And that's incredibly dangerous because it becomes so easy- to take people's money, the American people's money as the government and just do whatever you want with it. We don't even know. You don't even have to come take it from me. You just debit it from my, you just automatically take it from my paycheck. Like I don't even get to give it to you really. And I think that has made people insensitive to like the amount of taxes that they, you know, have levied on them or whatever. And that's just one, one tax. That's just the federal income tax. There's, Every, and then oh my every, god! Could you imagine? Yeah, all of the tax. Every everything time people is, ask, "Well, you got to give me this. You got to give me that. You got to give yeah. me a little here, a little there." Everything is double tax. I mean, it's it's just crazy. But yeah, that's a huge problem. Uh, I don't uh, don't know what to do about any of that. Just um, watch it unfold, I guess. And although, yeah, well, yeah. that was the crazy stuff with the anti-Semitic. I mean, you don't want to get too far into this stream, but I mean. There are people out, this is an idea, I don't know if this is true or not, but there are people out there who think that some people, you know, like it's actually happening that like the Lord is coming back. Like all these extreme religions talk about the Savior or whatever, like Christians, the Jews, the Islam, you know, all of them to talk about this, the Messiah coming back and that that's happening right now. Like we're about to enter the tribulation and that the Messiah is going to come back soon, maybe around 2030. That's what people think. Then there's other people who think that, like, that's actually coordinated. Like, some people are like, we have to do this in order to bring the Messiah back. Like, we have to trigger the tribulation. Like, we have to enact this. And there's that. And so you've got, like, and then there's even, like, conspiracy. Like, people, like, in power want to enact it. There's also, like, the non-conspiracy version. Like, just religious zealots want to start enacting it because they believe in it so much. And they're like, this is how it comes true. It's like, we have to be a part of it. 
Yeah, I, I so sometimes I do feel like that is like a, they're almost like following a a playbook or something. Because because I think yeah, I mean when when it comes to like human history in French, the word history is the same as the word story. It's histoire. Mm. It's spelled the same H I S T O R R I E or whatever, and. That's, That's all. Good. It's great, isn't it? It's it, yeah. it, it's a silent H, so it, I guess it works. No, um, yeah. So I so <laughs> I think it kind of encapsulates. It's like the happenings of the world throughout time, including the future. And there's just so many pieces like blended into it that I give some credence to, like including that the pyramids are a mystery. Who built that? There's I mean, something going on bigger than what we understand. What 100%. about yeah? What about Gobekli Tepe? What about the floodplains that might have been caused by cataclysms in the middle of the United States? What like, about the freaking aliens that were on TV and then talking about the government like two weeks ago? Like we're done with that. Like I kind of think that stuff is bullshit. To perhaps I don't know what that's about. maybe di- I think it may be to divert. It's like a the sci-fi version of reality. You know what I mean? So like aliens are like for a lot of people a replacement for God. You know, it wasn't the like because they think that's sure, more it's materialistic. A very materialist, like yeah. Somehow that's more I don't know how that makes things make sense to people. That's like it's like discovering the you cause. You still gotta explain the aliens. Right. Yeah. It's like explain it's like discovering the cause of the Big Bang and then realizing there was another Big Bang that you have to figure out too. You know, it's like you didn't figure anything out. <laughs> yeah. You didn't change anything. You just said different <laughs> words for basically the same unknown phenomenon so i think that's what part of that is but i think maybe there is and maybe the bible is a playbook or maybe there's a lot of truth in it or a lot of different types of you know different versions of history that we've held on to throughout time because there's something to the shortness of reality and history as we know it Yes, and, and there's we have such a limited history that we actually know about. Like it only goes back a few hundred years, and then even, it's like we and, really don't yeah. know anything about the time before that. Even the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, the Great Plagues, like the research on that stuff. To be quite honest, is just not actually certain. We don't know shit about anything back then. You know, we just don't even know. So it's like, what is the what is the narrative arc, the story of humanity? Because I think that is so important yes. that 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 is a hundred part of the psyop of the alien thing it's that if we just tell people that the alien thing is actually kind of um yeah it touches history explain maybe can some people it'll explain certain things but it's it's like future like pyramids or whatever it's maybe. like a it's like yeah. it's like that switch to progressive everything that we've talked about like this is diverting your attention out into the the not yet the the things that haven't happened yet and and so you become ungrounded because you're always looking up, kind of like that. Mm, away that, from the present. Mm. Right. Or, or away from reality, you know, kind of like uh, the Gospel mm. of Tom or the Gospel of Thomas, you know, don't look to the sky because then the truth will be, you know, the birds will precede you and basically knowing the truth. Like that's mm. don't look out there. He's not no one's coming in the clouds like that's. Well, I don't know what his point was. That's poetic. That's something else. It's not it's an inner truth. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, there's something else. And I mean. The more about history that you know, like, so if you're like a history person and you're really obsessed with the Civil War, 
the more you study about it and the more you get to know about it, the more information you do know about it, you know, and you have to go through that curve of like knowing something and then nothing, knowing a lot, realizing how little, you know, all that. But there, that's Dunning-Kruger, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah. But, it, but one thing that I think does happen is when you do that, time uh, compresses psych- like psychically for you. Mm. You, it be, you become like literally closer to it. And it feels different mm. to those people. And I, because I feel like certain things. Well, they're so relatable. Like even that video we just watched about Ron Paul, it's like, it almost feels like it could have been today. Like, and you know that that was more than a decade ago. And you're like, it makes it feel like, oh, like things aren't changing as fast as I thought they were. Yeah, or you you realize, I think that's another part of like breaking up the family to a certain way, like literally geographically. Because if you think about, like our grand, one of our granddads is alive still. And he knows a lot about his family history. And if you just consider that your, your living granddad knew his granddad and what that guy knew and like what he experienced he one granddad ago experienced yeah, things that are like part consider we consider like pivotal you know world forming history like that literally brought things to the place they are today and you understand the present so much better than than it mm-hmm. than when it's mm-hmm. this ethereal, mysterious, just onslaught of dates that need to be memorized and names that you can't pronounce and weird A styles of writing and all this universe. stuff. Yeah, and then you can easily be sold. Like I'm, I just studied a lot of studied a lot of philosophy, not not so much the history, but like there's philosophy from history, and it is weird. To, so like you read that stuff and you're just told by like a professor from 2020 or 2020. Oh my God, I just forgot how to say dates for a second. 2020. 2020 or whatever, you know, and they'll tell you, you know, they'll have you read this little section of this person's work and there's like some weird kind of mystical something in there, you know, like, well, he's kind of arguing for the existence of God or something, but like, we don't, you know, we're just, that's, you know, but that's just a sign of the times or whatever, maybe, but then some of the ones that you read, they're like, this is really great. This like formed our common law system or whatever. And then if you actually go read that guy's other stuff that you don't, that's not assigned reading, some of those guys thought just like the most, you what you would think are like, no one tells you about it. It must just be crazy talk, but they're, maybe they're obsessed with like the metaphysical or alchemy or magic, you know, and it's like, and we're told these are like the forefathers of modern society, modern thought. And I'm like, well, why didn't exactly. you, it, you know, yeah. that's, it's right there. Like it's actually, you can literally buy those books. No one does. Yeah, it's like but, editing <laughs> of the history. Yeah. Just by They ignorance. don't even teach it to you. They could just, if you just yeah. don't, yeah, exa- that's the, I think that's the cue, like the key, like just don't teach it. And then it can kind of be whatever you want it to be. And then if you get interested and you just Google it, you'll just get the kind of top hits, the most popular books. And then you'll get like a, what's that guy who goes on Jordan Pierce or, um, Joe Rogan all the time, uh, magicians of the God, Graham Hancock, you know, yeah, he, he yeah. did that. He, so they, he made a like sacred geometry guy, frequencies. But no, blah, that's blah, his part. That's his partner. The, the oh, Freemason oh. guy, but he's just like an ancient, he's history. the archeologist. Yeah. Yes. Kind of guy, like a journalist, but yeah, archeology, right, ancient stuff. Right. 
and it's he made a just i'm just giving an example of like how like go go ahead try to get interested in something and see how hard it is to get to smash through the constructed wall of to keep you out is that the his official narrative or whatever yeah well his netflix special by some by some people has been called the most dangerous show on netflix what exactly it's like it's so we don't have to talk there's nothing to talk about there you're just like well that's crazy but that's what you'll encounter like as you archaeology (laughs) y'all he just he's a guy that writes books it's like he's he's like more he's he's like ancient aliens but tame and like science like fact-based like you won't go out on the right. limb it's not crazy it's just like we go to the the t- temple or pyramid or whatever and it's like look at this isn't this weird yeah <laughs> like, the, the sphinx this get here the sphinx is older than we thought the most dangerous narrative a lot you know on on netflix that the sphinx is old yeah no oh also, while we're here, I'm going to do a double somersault over some very, very thin ice. But this Great. is what I was saying earlier that's going to get us canceled. But the Good. like. I'm tired of it anyways. Holocaust stuff. You know, it's like, why do you read a Holocaust book oh, every yeah. year in school and you don't read a single book about American history? Yeah. I always thought that was weird. I always thought it was weird. And I don't think that you shouldn't read about the Holocaust, but it's just a little much it's a little much and you begin to wonder like what about the armenian genocide what about the the hutus and the tutsis what about the apartheid what about all of the the genocide of the the chinese people by the japanese people you know it's like there are so many conflicts that are relevant that you could learn about but you learn about the same one every year it's just completely wild it's just wild it's just weird i think that is i gotta say i then then i still i mean that's what I was saying earlier. It's like we could talk about what the people that they call what all extreme right or whatever they call those people that they also call like anti-Semitic or deny Holocaust denying people, neo whatever, Nazis, neo Nazis, all this. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's like you you could find crazy stuff. Like of course you can. Like I I knew a guy one time that was kind of like a like a skinhead or something. And I mean, he's not like doing that anymore as far as I know, but I don't even know. I don't even know what, what he was doing. Like what it, it was not good. I don't know what he thought, but some of it was kind of weird, but I think those things that's like the farthest place on a line from an apex with many lines coming out of it. But if you go to the end of any of them, it, those are also like dichotomous lines, like somewhere in the middle is probably true. Not yeah, all the way at the extreme. There's a little bit of fake because you have to be. I mean, you can't just think people are like completely crazy. I'm. I mean, I believe that like people who get radicalized in that way, in any way, really, like there's something that was true about what they were told, and then a lot of crazy got mixed in. Well, it's a great and, a great example is the Ted Kaczynski thing, which we did talk about, where it's like a lot of people read his work. It's smart people, and they'll read it, and I've I cannot tell you how many times I have heard this. Some version of this phrase. Ted Kaczynski was right, except for the violence thing. So it's like right, there's right. A, there. It's all contained right there in one person. Like he was just thought something. He was right about it. It was a bad situation. There were people. There are people. Were people responsible for it? 
and he was not wrong. You know, like he just, he wasn't wrong. He was actually right. And also he got crazy. Of course he was MK Ultra'd, but he, you know, everything from like isolated into the middle of the woods in a cabin and blowing people up. It's like, that he did that doesn't mean that somewhere along the way to that conclusion, every other premise was correct. You know, there's he, he was wrong and he could literally have just been wrong on like one premise of this tome of argumentation, which is the premise that if I blow enough people up, it'll fix it. Sure. Oh, you mean that not everything was wrong just because this it led to violence or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Just because yeah, he got yeah, just because you know, he got just... there doesn't. That's a different thing than the facts. Mm-hmm. There's the facts, and then there's your reaction to them. You know. Yeah, but I yes, exactly. And I feel like there's this weird like, you know, censorship. You know, whatever you want. Like we can't talk about. We can't be critical about certain things. And that I mean, it's kind of like coming to a head. I feel like and. People are realizing, you know, where this leads. I mean, you see these protests of these students like praising not just Palestine, but like Hamas. And you're like, okay, this is that's too far. You know, like that. What is this? But you know what that does? Understand being like about, you know, concerned about the Palestinian people. But you can't praise like an attack that killed millions of people in just the most atrocious way. Well, they've broken it in two immediately. So like the only things we talk about are these, you know, quote unquote crazies that are like Hamas good. And then you have the yeah, crazies yeah. on the other side who Destroy are like just blow yeah. everyone up that, you know, has a guttural H. And that so what that does to, it's kind of like the, maybe you could call it like the Alex Jones effect or something, but it's like a lot of people thought one of Alex Jones' big moments was when he went on the Piers Morgan show and he went crazy Kinda, you know, he it was the that was the place where he went. Seventeen seventy six will commence again if you try to take our firearms, you red coat. You know, he just that he was doing that on national television, like daytime television, and God. a lot of people say the kind of same thing. You know, like he's right about a lot of things, but then they a lot of people will also that will say that will also say, but he's there to make us look bad. To make the people who hold the opinions that he preaches for the mm. in large part look like crazy by coming to certain extreme or crazy conclusions or acting crazy or whatever. And so that's what I mean, that's one thing that yeah, I don't yeah. I don't have a side, so it's hard for me because I'm not actually involved mentally. It's hard for me to flesh it out that great. But I'm saying that just from an outside perspective, going, Oh, there's people out there that are like cheering Hamas. Why are they throwing that in my face? Okay, maybe it's interesting, but it also makes it look like if you don't like it, if you think that Israel has some culpability, responsibility, or whatever to any extent, the government of Israel to any extent, and what's going on, then you're like those people who who go, yay, what Hamas did, yay, terrorism, yay, because it was from the right side, and you go. Oh, so anyone that says anything, any of the premises on the way to that extremism get lumped into that extremism, you know, this, and it's part of like the cancel culture kind of thing where, where it's gradually, yeah, yeah, it's gradually come to that where now you can go, well, I don't care about race anymore. And then even, even that they'll, they've, it's like in their ideology to say, 
that's also racism because if you don't care, silence is violence. You can only not care because you're white or because you're not that well, you know, it's like everything gets siphoned into the extremes either by the team, by one team or the other, they'll either pull you in or they'll push you in. The other side will push you away into that extreme. And you're like, and then, then, and then you have what we're having right here. we go, we probably can't talk about this. Like what? What does that even mean? Like, yeah, isn't that, well, like, what do you mean? Like, you can't talk, like, yeah, literally, like, we don't know what would happen if we talked about it. Yeah, not well, that that's we have a reach, I but think. still, you're like, yeah, it's weird. This like censorship. Yeah, it goes too far, and yeah, you can't talk about certain stuff because, and then you see the consequence of that. It's like you get these really unsophisticated. It's like we can't think critically about anything. You get these unsophisticated takes, you know, conversations about whatever's going on, and then you get this like dichotomous bipolar nonsense that's just like it just feels completely emotional like people talk about like everyone's got a mood and a feeling today it's like that's the ultimate version of that on like the macro scale to me it's like how emotional we are about every issue like we can't even just talk about facts and I feel like that's uh yeah it's like weird because there is a component of that it's like you can tag on the the Jewish issue or whatever like where it's like it's really not I, you don't hear hardly any criticism of Israel. You don't hear – and despite that those people are white, by the way. Like you hear like a lot of like criticism of white people but not of Jewish white people for some reason. Because they're not um, white, which yeah. is even so, – which is weird. Like there's a lot of non-white Jews but the Ashkenazi wing, which is like the bloodline that runs apparently through our some to some percentage point, I think they make up – a pretty decent portion, especially of the American Jews. I can't, I could be wrong about this. And especially the ones that we're like, oh, they run everything. It's like, which ones? Those ones. I don't know what that means because I'm not getting a check from the Illuminati, but um, <laughs> if you're out there, hit me up. Yeah, but. But they're European, they have a European dis- descent and they were like Jews by choice, like by conversion, I think. I think that's the Ashkenazi lineage. Oh, I think that's the mainstream thing is like they were, they were people in, in Eastern Europe or something, they converted, they converted for some reason, blah, 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 down the road, and now you're a bad guy or something. Yeah, but yeah but, they're white. So anyway, that's the, my point. <laughs> yeah, well, but you can tag, yeah, the, you can tag that issue, and I think you can get, like, you can literally miss the forest for the trees, like, because, yeah, that is a problem, but it's not like, it's not that we can't talk about the Jews, it's like that we can't talk about, like, anything critically, like, we can't talk about race at all we can't talk about race differences we can't talk about culture we can't talk about any of this like i mean it's just wild to me like some of the facts about like you know families for example like are just really alarming like people talk about like fatherlessness in the black community and like for some reason that's like a taboo thing to talk about now but it's not getting better it's getting worse and people like economists like family economists will tell you like not having a father in the household is one of the worst things for you economically. Like, so if you want to start talking about like economic differences between racial groups, like fatherlessness is a huge difference. And that likely explains a lot of what's going on in the economic differences. But well, you can't and it talk was about done that. to people. It was done to those groups on purpose to the black community. Like that's I don't know how on the record that is, but I feel like it's fairly well accepted that like we or the government, whatever put in policies such as you know making your welfare check or whatever uh contingent upon not having a provider a, husband, quote, a, a father a, a husband the in the yeah. house so that creates an an obvious and listen 
Right. Hiding your boyfriends it, in the hood. That's economists a thing. have known when the tax people come yeah, around. That wasn't an accident. Economists have known about incentives since uh, the invention of economics. So this is like a program, basically, to create exactly the situation we're in. Because one thing you were saying, like, too, we don't want to. You were saying we can't talk about this. We can't talk about that. It's like most of the conversations that people think of when you say that aren't the conversations that we actually would be having because it's not like people hear that complaint and they go, Oh, you really, you just want to talk about how black people don't have the same IQ as white people. Oh, you just want to talk about how, uh, you know, black people are taller or more aggressive or stronger or you know, all this stuff. It's like, no, actually none of those things. Those aren't the types of things. I mean, people think them now, but it's because everything has been, turned into this converse this like weird version of this conversation in every domain so that everything is i'm going to say it again extremified whereas it's it's talking about talking about it that created the problem so without that things still move and evolve naturally without all of the crazy psycho blue-haired pearl clutching inter- interventionism and all, all of that stuff it we you don't actually need that interdimensional beings whatever those people are <laughs> yeah. you don't actually that doesn't that hurts the that creates the problem literally to where to where then the problem now that you know now the way that we talk about all these things is to one way is to go we can't talk about and then list all these things but that's actually kind of like missing the point a little bit. The point is that the censorship and the cancel culture and what whatever is going on with the breakdown of our society, that's the problem. And I would say it's like the, the chicken and egg problem, but it's we have it wrong. There's a kind of a pre, a presumption, like a, a prior out there now that like, racism is a huge thing but that's yes. but that's well, not the other it's, thing it's too, not it, a huge it's not as huge a thing as they make it like they make it, it sound crazy and we see that yes, that they yes. believe that with those like those fake articles that all these people have gotten posted like in scientific journals with like the heteronormativity of dog humping in dog parks you know what i mean like that was a thing some one right, of those right. funny guys got posted Just in an a academic bogus article journal that they send in and yeah which is but it yeah. but that that happened because the conversation as a whole exists in that way now that the it that somehow falls within the domain of the conversation of gender relations or the patriarchy or races or power dynamics somehow it gets it's like what so you see what i'm saying it's like yeah well i think i don't i don't know how to like put the cherry on top but that is the thing that's happening it's it's like beyond yes yes well so i think the the problem to me is like that the people you know like so it's rampant or whatever and I don't, you know, like that's what we're made to believe, but I don't think that's actually true. Like, and I think you actually can talk about these things with a lot of people and most Mm -hmm. people would be fine to talk about them Mm -hmm. and want to talk about them. And when I have, you know, ventured out there to talk about these things with people, they're actually very receptive and have interesting ideas and are like, yeah, I don't really know about that. Or like, that's kind of crazy. But then what happens is that you have a few kind of radical, sociopathic, narcissistic people 
who will punish you severely. People who are, you know, sociopathic and in power and who have the capability to punish you severely will do it and that will go completely unchecked. That's the crazy part to me is that that is allowed to happen is that we allow people to like just completely eradicate your career for one comment, you're like taken out of context. I mean, it's like to me, case in point is like the MSU thing that happened recently. MSU, I got an email from Michigan State University where I used to go to school. I'm embarrassed to say I went there because I got an email from the president that said, we are so sorry. We, we have to apologize for what happened recently. This was a terrible mistake, blah, blah, blah. We'll never do it again, blah, blah, blah. We're seeking remedy and action. And you're not, you're not embarrassed that you went there. You're not embarrassed you went there because of what happened. You're embarrassed because they're coming out and apologizing a bunch of whiny yes, suckers or something. That's exactly. what's embarrassing. So they didn't. Yeah, they didn't even tell me what had happened, so I had to go look it up. And apparently, there's like news articles are like picture of Hitler was shown on the big stadium arena screen or whatever. And uh, I was like, so then they're like, oh my god, like Hamas, this is anti-Semitism. Like we're so sorry. Like we have to apologize to everyone. And it's literally the just most huge overreaction. And it's like because then you look into it and apparently what had happened was it was a quiz someone was streaming a quiz onto the big stream of the arena and that happened to be like related to one of the questions like as a historical thing like hitler like who like who is this being a picture the leader of, of yeah. nazi germany <laughs> right yes and so it's just like what are we talking about like you're literally mistaking this for like the meta narrative that it's embedded it's like that's not even what that was like you're like this is anti this is like gas the jews and it's like it wasn't that at all like and it's just it's just crazy and i feel like that's the kind of stuff that's like no that kind of overreaction needs to be checked like that should not be allowed it's not that the picture of hitler with the quiz shouldn't be allowed it's that you shouldn't be allowed to send an email to every student in the university without any context saying look at how the terrible anti-semitic event this was and it's like it literally wasn't that you're like demonizing these students now all these students probably get hate mail threats of violence against them because you're making a huge deal about this thing than they literally did naively and innocently and it's just it's so frustrating to me that's the problem. That's the problem. Okay. I'm trying to think <laughs> what causes that and then how to stop it. Because I think you have to kind of know what does cause it. So what is perpetuating the cancel Well, it's culture? like a virtue or a vicious cycle, I think, because it's like when you allow that sort of behavior to go unfettered, then the rationale where it's like, well, if we don't go do something about it, like we'll get punished becomes believable because you're like oh, no, like no one actually will stop those people from ending my career and taking my livelihood and making me a pariah of society. There's no one to stand in the way of that. And so that it's a really vicious well, and cycle. They, and so you get more of this kind of behavior. And they say sorry, though, instead of defending themselves, which is like, what is that a byproduct of? Because it's I'm thinking of that. I don't know where this came from, but I've said it before. And it's like this example of kind of I guess it's sort of like an example of uh gaslighting or something but i i've heard it way before the term gaslighting became trendy but that that you know question when are you going to stop beating your wife you know where where the it's the point of mm -hmm. that is to mm -hmm. show that like you're it, I, like so the answer is well i don't beat my wife so you can't ask me when i'm going to stop and so you have to go into this you have to engage you know get into this or so like do you 
Right, a false premise. You make the person shamed, you right. make them humiliated publicly, yes. And I think that's a big part of it, is shame and humiliation. I think we are literally, like, what's the point? I mean, th that guy said that in that quote, or what, I can't remember his name right now, but he's like, what's the point of all this, like, nonsense in public relations and geopolitics? He's like, it's to publicly humiliate people. And why? Well, so that this stuff can happen. And I think that that's what it is. Like these people are publicly shameful and humiliated and feel like they actually deserve, like they are bad intrinsically for being white or something. Or like we're MSU and like I, I have such deep shame about who I am that I couldn't possibly stand up and defend these students for doing something completely naively right. and innocently. Here, here's a completion of the metaphor. So in MSU's case, to make an analogy, somebody said, MSU, when are you going to stop beating your wife, even though they don't beat their wife? And instead of saying, I don't beat my right. wife, MSU said, tomorrow or today, I'll stop now. <laughs> it's like, so you know what I mean? Like, that's the equivalent of what they're doing. So by engaging and apologizing, you are actually perpetuating the narrative that's showing that yes. a picture of Hitler in included in a quiz of the, in, that's discussing Hitler is uh, that's now we've now perpetuated the the fact, I don't know what you call that, the notion that somehow a picture of that Hitler- That is actually racism or whatever. Yeah, yes. next to Hitler's name. That's violence, that's, that's whatever. Some, yes. That's something other than just what it is. So the answer, the email that should have gone out if any, would be some people said that like a quiz about with like pertaining to Hitler or something with a picture of Hitler in it was some fucking Hamas bullshit. Uh, uh, it was a quiz. Thanks for your time. Right. They should have explained it. Yes. Don't even exactly. just like you. I get if you're called out that you want to say something, but sorry is not what you say. You say it was a quiz. That's all we have to say about it. Like nothing. There is literally right, nothing right. to talk about. All, like name a picture. If we open the encyclopedia to the pick page about Hitler, there's the picture of Hit that. There's nothing to talk about. So nothing. Literally nothing. Literally nothing to talk about. So yeah. we ju you just go. Uh, we heard. Which shows you, you the said, conversation is manufactured. But yeah. but that's but this I think we've tried to hit on this before. But this is this is actually an example of how this stuff gets continuously perpetuated and why it's like this because people have no fucking courage and i believe this this is i don't i'm not i don't know if i have any evidence for this but i believe that the reason more and more people are having that reaction to like apologize basically for lack of a better example of what's actually happening in that situation or a better explanation like the fact that people are participating in that way, going, I'm sorry, oh my God, you're right. Or if you get called a racist, you go, I'm not, you get all scared, you know, yeah, yeah. I think that that is a byproduct of the demoralization and the degradation of the, including the moral fabric of the people, of humans in general. And I think things. A hundred percent. I think we don't realize how subtle that can be done. Like, even um, I never really participated in this to the extent that people do nowadays as, as younger people, but I maybe can say I participated in it just enough to understand the notion, and, and I'm using it because I think people can probably relate to this, at least 
unless culture has changed beyond my understanding, beyond my experience. But think of like the tenders and the grinders and the that kind of hookup culture. The dating apps, yeah. You go do that stuff, and I think it maybe not for some people consciously, but I remain convicted that there's still a subconscious effect, and for many people, an actual conscious effect. That you go, you do that, you participate in that, and not only are you unfulfilled by it, it it's not, it doesn't give you what you want, but you actually get, you attain a level of something else, like maybe shame or guilt, even if it's subtle and almost a subconscious thing, and it makes people less, uh, let's say, courageous. You know what sure, I mean? Yeah. If you're doing like shady things behind closed doors or in open, okay, here's a perfect right. example. Like you, I know somebody that works at a company and the person, there's somebody high up in the company. If you go to their Facebook page, they're like one of those people that goes to parades and does like leather. Da- We're talking like VP. Okay. Everything on their page is like hypersexual, like, you know, doggy cop. I mean, just weird. I mean, not, it's Fetish. There's, a, there's a fetish stuff, you know, and it's all just, it's like the, it's the primary thing. And I think a lot of people see, there's like a, not a direct shame in a, in a way. You see what I'm saying? Like it's there, it's out in the open. They, like, in fact, there's, they, they get a, a rush from it. There's an exhibitionism and co- corp incorporated. Sure, yeah. But I think that that for some reason, I, I wish it weren't this way. Maybe, maybe I don't wish this. I don't know, but it makes for a weak people yes you're not going to be the moral fortitude you're not going to have the moral fortitude you're not going to be the pillar of moral resilience or whatever that you need to be you're not going to be courageous to stand up on principles that you defend or whatever because you're like living a kind of laissez-faire life where you're like do what thou wilt or whatever which doesn't jive with a culture that's like be the best you you can be strive for the highest good that's a very different culture and you're not going to be the kind of person who goes out and preaches that if that's the kind of life you're living and i know a hundred people a million people like that i know a million people (laughs) i know a lot of people like that where it's like and i even feel that myself you know you I think everybody struggles with that. You know, like I couldn't be the courageous person to stand up for this thing and be the backbone or whatever voice of this person or stand up for the weak or needy or be courageous in this situation because I, you know, I'm not that good. Like I'm not good enough to right. do that. You know, like I have my own on a sub. I think on like, a sub- I'm kind of yes. too bad. Like I'm tainted. And we see that consciously. Like those people will literally say that. I, I've said it, you know, like I'm not a good person. Like I don't want to preach or whatever. But- there's, I think that it happens on a subconscious level too. You know, it's like, yeah, because I think the reason is because on a on another again on a, maybe a subconscious level we know that that those sometimes those things that we do are indications or indicators of weak of a kind of weakness of a you know because it's like I always use the example of like smoking. Well, it's like for sin, me. like we falter a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and it and it. And we and I think the way that we can make it logical to like, pr- like give a proof that it's a weakness in some way is because it's even the Buddha kind of knew that like the desires of the flesh of the of the of you of, of your of your body, including the carnal food, entity, it's all yeah. it's all carnal and you are a slave to it. You're weak. <clears throat> you're weak to it. So therefore, it's hard to let's say stop 
or or to start whatever thing you know just it's hard to, so that is a as a kind of a proof that like it is a sort of an indicator of weakness and then <clears throat> but we've come to a point now morally where we say but it's not bad though so it's okay to have that weakness like porn it's it's okay though like it's all voluntary it's like it's not bad though you know it's it's like it's okay like i i can do that and it's not actually a moral problem and it's like again I, they're not I, even wrong, honestly. Th- right, exactly. That's a c- perfect case of being not even wrong. It, there's a ver- there's a pl- and this is why I'm going to call this. We we is I don't know if this episode's posted this original where this originally came from for us, but I'm going to call this an epiphenomenal truth, because oh. because it's epiphenomenal as in it's basically just outside. It's like a metaphysical truth. It's outside of the material world because in the material plane. We go like you just said. Oh, you're not even wrong. It is a little challenging to find the moral footing outside of like religious doctrine or dogma to say that anything, whether it's porn or alcohol consumption, sure, or maybe adults, it's wrong whatever. to condemn people, or maybe it's really whatever. not bad yeah, right, right, to, right. for you to make a choice as an adult, as a free individual. Yeah, that's not even wrong. But then I think the point you're making is like on a higher order, though. There's like a long-term consequence of this, and like. You there's a subconscious effect on people that actually is really costly that maybe isn't right. apparent immediately. One hundred percent, exactly what I'm saying. That on some other level, especially an aggregate, I think it makes yeah. for a weak people. So, and I, 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 just an honest belief. I think that the hypersexualization, the hookup culture of the things I was talking about, Tinder and Grinder and porn, are all like some of the top tier things that make that have is kind of like a symbol or an actual like degrading caustic element on society that has made us um interesting that i want to use like the word worms you know, just like it's made us to worms, like weak, like limp spine, no weak, spine, weaklings, mm. you know, and I'm getting an image. We're going to cut this out, but I'm getting an image of what people call the post nut regret. Oh, oh, like, you know the, what I'm saying? The high and then the you, your low is worse than your baseline. Like, you could say like sex is like the or the orgasm, is like the most intense manifestation of the carnal bodily thing of satiation or whatever sure. carnal and desire you know what i probably couldn't do right after that uh is like defend my house from an invader you know just imagine the moments that you just you're like sure. you're weak yeah. you know what i mean it's like a weakness associated with that so it, but the same could be said of other um indulgences and in, you eat way too right you you're not going to go out dinner. after that and give a hope-filled speech to people that inspires them to be better citizens and better people and uplift their communities after you just <laughs> ate a big you just ate a big dinner and like three slices yeah. of cheesecake you're, it's the same situation you know what i mean like i just can't right now i'm so satiated or too much drink oh, i just can't right any of these kinds of things um which we've lost reasoning we've lost the reasoning for their exaltation this is kind of jordan peterson-esque i guess but we've we've lost touch with reality with the with the these this kind of whatever you want to call it epiphenomenal metaphysical reality and said that that's not 
that's material. So it's that's not material. So it's not really real. It's just a construct. It's just in our heads. And if there's no real taboo, that's just a story. That yeah. yeah, and stories aren't real. Stories are just words. And we've begun to confuse signs for the real world, symbols and signs. You know, it's, that song's amazing. Q song. Yeah. No, no, but you see what I'm saying? Like, there's something. I I'm all my my point here in this, which I hope people understand, is we get it. I think that has had the effect on the culture that we just described in witnessing this thing from MSU or or whatever. You know, it's some kind of weak weakness of of like a moral character almost. And it's yeah, well, and it's, it's like so that it's such a phony because video. it's because it's always presented. So the apology is supposed to be a symbol for actual moral fortitude, but it's in fact mm-hmm. the opposite. You know what I'm saying? Like that's it's how weakness, con- yeah. it's literally how confused we are is that we've we've totally we've literally not we didn't it's inverted. Pull, yeah, yeah, we didn't pull something back. We literally created a false one and and we put that in its place so that we don't even know that the thing is missing because we've replaced it with this other thing that's totally a facade and not even real and actually the cause of the harm. Anyways, yeah, I'm well, it's like that guy in that box. video said, yeah, he was saying, um, you know, about like the society where people are just always satiated, never bored, always amused, and that there's never any conflict. And that, uh, yeah, I mean, how dangerous that is and that that, you know, it seems like that would be a good thing. Oh, we'll never be bored. We'll always be amused and we'll always be satiated. But then there's kind of like a dark undertone to that. You know, there's like something, you know, instinctively about that not being good not being ideal not being best um yeah and yeah we've lost touch with with the proof of that with the, what because what do you have to rely on to make mm-hmm. a moral claim and if you're in if you're doing all of those other things those debauch those those carnal things and if you're participating in the carnality it's very difficult because you tell your cognitive dissonance right you the fit cognitive dissonance, a state that arises from holding two opposing, it's an uncomfortable state of holding two opposing views at one time, and yes, you cannot yes, persist yeah, in that yeah, state. Yeah, 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 so you'll yeah. tell yourself something else, and you convince yourself that it's actually right on some level. And then, you, therefore, you can't actually even fight your way out of your own the own, your trap. You can't even speak to it because you're not having moral fortitude in your own personal life, mm. and it's hard. Yeah. No, I wanted to. The last thing I want to share is this just brief quip, brief quip, <laughs> brief clip that this guy, I mentioned him on the last podcast, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate. I could remember his name, but he's a Holocaust survivor. And he was talking mm. about the Nakba, not the Nakbar, as I called it idiotically, um, two podcasts ago. Uh, but anyway, he has this bit, and I won't spoil it, but it's so, I just thought this is interesting. In this society, one of the toxic myths that are normalized is that humans are by nature selfish and aggressive and competitive and hostile. This is our nature. So when somebody does something bad, we say, oh, that's just human nature. But when somebody does something good, do we ever say, oh, that's just human nature? We don't say that. And yet, how we evolved, we're communal, cooperative creatures. We couldn't have evolved any other way. Where we rugged individuals, selfish and aggressive and competitive and brutal, we would not exist as a species. So what you're talking about, to my mind, is that you found your true nature. Mm. Find your true nature, 
naturally you feel you feel satisfied and and, and inspired you know right and, right and so, so that's just one of the toxicities toxicities of this culture is what it makes people believe about who they actually are which is contrary who they really need to be and who they really are so there's that i just thought that was an interesting take because there is, that is such a deeply embedded cultural narrative that it's like, oh, human nature is brutal and bad and whatever. And, you know, maybe there is a transcendent truth that it's like, oh, human nature can be both of those things. But, you know, the maybe the ultimate truth, I kind of like to his point, it's like actually the deepest truth about you, the, the truest part of your nature is the good things because those are the things that last forever. You know, like they're true because they are not ephemeral in the way that bad things are like ephemeral, like the way that you miss the mark, you know, the evil part of you is ever changing and somehow ephemeral, but the good things are durable. They stay, you know, they never change. Um, and I thought that was just interesting. Yeah. So talk about how deeply confused we are. I think that's another way in which we're deeply confused and have lost our moral fortitude. So, yeah. Anyway, this, that little thing for some reason made me think of this, uh, there's a, of a, I guess, a song, but I'm just going to read a few of the lyrics, a chunk of it. That's his music is kind of like poetry. But anyways, you've probably heard this before, but it makes whatever that guy was saying, for some reason, made me think of this. It says, you laugh and you cry, you live and you die because you don't really know who you are all alone in this world, orphan boy, orphan girl, because you don't really know who you are. Run, baby, run. My hands release you. Run, baby, run as fast as you can. Run till your uh, legs lead your run till your legs lead your heart to the real truth. You're my daughter, my son. Run, baby, run. Run, baby, run. And then hear me laughing as you run from your calling. See me crying in the storms that rage. One way or the other, you will be going to obey is such an easier way. Anyways, do you know the song? How could I not know that song? I hear it in my head playing. I know, me too. He sings, <laughs> you, he, yeah, he does it much know. better. But um, <laughs> yeah, some random like Christian artist. But I, that made me think of that. You know, this like we do the we do both things, you know, and it's like, what are we doing? Why are we doing? Is it my nature that I do bad things and somehow some accident of nature that I do a good thing? And it's like. I That song to me is kind of like a free will song, like. No, you're here, you're making yes. all these choices, you're doing all the things, and in a way, that's the whole point, you know? Like, there's, like, this good in the world, this overarching whatever it means to say he did do a good thing or whatever, you know? Like, what is the good thing? Like, giving, caring, loving, that uh, you we have to make those choices. That's us for us to do that. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Wow, I'm frozen. Right. You're frozen. I look like a side. Do I am I frozen like that on your screen? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. We got stream problems. We got to get out of here. But uh yeah. Anyway, anyway, well, we'll catch you next time. I don't know what's going on with this stream. Mr. A's gone. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>